Thank you, team. Uh, real quick before we get started, uh, for those of you that are in high school, uh, middle school tonight, Grace Life Students meets at the Nightlife Center. Doors open at 5.30. We start at 6. I'll be there. Chris Martini, the rest of the student ministry team will be there. So if you want to go to heaven, you'll be there as well. <laughs> Not that those are necessarily related, but uh, also just a shout out. We got a lot of people from our Grace Life Recovery Group here this morning back over there in the corner. Very cool. The, uh, in many ways, I feel like the lifeblood of our church in many respects. So uh, my name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we're continuing our series about pictures of Jesus in Genesis. And today we're talking about the power and the symbol of a promise. The power and symbol of a promise. And the passage I'm reading to is from Genesis 6, uh, verse 18 uh, and 22. This is the end of the story of Noah's Ark where, uh, you know, Noah finally has the boat come to rest and he's getting ready to get out of the boat after a long time. And this is the story. And this is what God says to Noah after the flood and after the waters receded and all that stuff. The animals are off the boat. They cleaned up all the animal feces and all that stuff, right? They're all done with that. And finally, they have a chance to sit down and worship God. This is what God says. I will establish my promise or my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives. And Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And then, uh, and this is after the flood, that was before the flood, and here's after the flood, Genesis 9. I will establish my covenant with you again. This is the second time he's done a covenant. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant I'm making between you and me and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the promise between me and the earth. And so we see the story of Noah's Ark starts with a promise, and it ends with a promise. The first promise was, don't worry, Noah. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect your family. I'm going to provide for you. I'll make sure that boat does not sink. And at the end of the ordeal of Noah's flood and, and all that stuff, God says, I'm making another promise with you. I'm never going to do that again, but also I'm going to be your God. We're going to talk about the power and the symbol of a promise today. And as you guys know, what we need to do when we go through this process is we want to make sure that we understand all the history of a passage. So let me read this for you, and then we're going to go into the historical part of a passage. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my promise between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. When the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it. And remember the everlasting promise between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the promise or the covenant I've established between me and all life on earth. So let's look at the history of a passage. A long ordeal in Noah's life is over. And they survived the whole flood deal. That was a big thing, right? Because not only were they on a boat with a bunch of animals, but all their friends and everything they knew about their previous life before the flood was washed away. And it's a brand new beginning. It's been a hard time. It's been almost like close to a year. And they're finally done with all that. And they survive. And they escape judgment through the ark. And we talked about the ark last week, didn't we? I spelled that wrong. Don't, make, don't get mad at me. It's supposed to be with a K. Spell check doesn't work all the time. So it's a nice boat. Remember we talked about that? Jesus, the ark is a picture of Jesus. And man, it's a nice boat. It's a boat of grace. It's a boat of mercy. And the ark saves them. 
The boat comes to rest. See, I got it right there. See that, the ark? <laughs> Megan caught that one and told me to change it. Megan, you missed that one. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> the boat comes to rest, and Noah worships God. The first thing that Noah does, he gets off the boat, and he worships God. Man, God, thank you for keeping your promise. That's the history. That's it. A lot of this is theology today. The theology, the history is what about man? What did he do and why did he do it? The theology is what about God? What did he do and why and how did he do it? And we always look at both of those every week. God is the ultimate promise keeper. The first thing we see is that God does fulfill his promise. In Genesis 8, 1 to 2, But God remembered Noah and all the animals and all the livestock that were with him on the ark with a K. And God made the wind blow over the earth and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heaven were closed and the rain was restrained. God remembered his promise. What else God does is he displays his patience. Theologically, what the ark represents and what the flood represents is a transition of how God is going to deal with sinful man. Patience for sin within his sovereign plan of salvation for us. For the world and for us. In 2 Peter chapter 3, 8 and 9, it spells this out. It says, but do not overlook this one fact, the apostle Peter writes, beloved, that with the Lord a thousand years is as a day, and as a day is as a thousand years. In other words, time is not really an issue with God. He's never in a hurry. He's never late. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, or his covenant, as some would count slowness. But God is patient toward us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is going to do whatever it takes and be patient and wait for his chosen to come to repentance, regardless of what else is going on in the world. This is part of that covenant he made with Noah, where he said, I'm never going to destroy the earth with water again. And God also symbolizes his promise. He sets his rainbow in the clouds, Represents, by the way, this is something you would learn at Deep End if you ever came to Deep End where it's a question and answer. The reason for the rainbow was there was actually a change in the atmosphere of the earth at the time of the flood. Things changed dramatically. The whole earth's physical process changed of how it, how it processed water and things like that. And one of the results of that was the rainbow. It's a sign of a promise between me and the earth that I will never again destroy all the waters of life. Now, that's the theology. I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions. Can you imagine how Noah felt as the ark landed and he saw God's rainbow, realizing that God had been true, God had made a promise, and God had come through with it? And the reason for this is because God is the ultimate promise keeper. He has the desire to keep his promises. That's his character. He has the authority to keep his promise. That's his position. And he has the power to make his promises and keep them. That's, his, that's who God is. He has the desire and the authority and the power to keep a promise. Wouldn't it be silly to trust someone who makes a promise that doesn't have the ability to keep it? Listen, guys, I want to promise you, if you come to church next week, the Bucks will win the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> Pastor Joe said it. It's going to happen. Listen, guys, trust me. If you keep coming to church, you will get a million dollars in your bank account at the end of the year. Trust me, it's going to happen. It's within my power to do it. No, it's not. It's silly to trust the promise of someone that doesn't have the authority 
or the power to make it or keep it. So the question is, what promises are you banking on today? Who has made them? And how are they working out? I promise you, you can do this. There won't be any consequences. I promise you can do this. No one will find out. You see, putting hope in the promises that God keeps is a supernatural thing. It's part of the gift of faith. You understand, you can't really trust God's promises unless God enables you to trust them. Faith to believe in the promise of salvation and the work of Christ is supernatural. Just like Noah. Do you think Noah, without God's intervention, was able to say, Sure, God, I'll build a boat for the next year and a half to two years that everybody laughs at me for. I'll spend my whole life, every waking moment, no longer farming, no longer doing anything else. I'm just going to build this huge, massive boat bigger than anyone has ever seen no matter what people say, because I trust that you are going to flood the earth. Do you think that was natural for Noah to trust that? Of course not. It was totally supernatural. But God had given Noah the gift of faith to believe that God would keep his promises. Now, can you imagine, just for a moment, the ultimate joy that Noah must have felt when the first promise came true? Wow, he really is flooding the earth. Holy cow, this guy knows what he's doing. And then the second promise was kept. Can you imagine when Noah, the ark comes to rest and he gets off the ark? Wow, heavenly dad kept his promise again. That's twice. And these were big ones. These weren't, don't worry, honey, I'll do the dishes before you come home. (laughs) This was a big promise. Okay, that's the theology. Here's the devotional. There are two types of promises in the world. And promises are the most powerful influence on our earthly relationship. Would you agree with that? What is it, guys, about a promise that can make us leave rationality at the door? Sometimes we believe in promises that we know don't have a chance to be kept. But somehow there's this allure of hope because hope is like a drug many times. What makes us trust some promises that we know are ridiculous? It is an internal, uncontrollable desire of the human heart to have hope. It's the allure of hope that drives us to trust promises. A promise cannot be accepted or exist or be trusted unless hope exists First, and there are some doozy promises that we have decided to trust in our lives because of silly, foolish hope. So let's look at the two types of promises. I want to look at the unrighteous promise. Unrighteous promises are promises that are used for several things, to manipulate people. It's okay. If you let me, I will. If you do this for me, I will with really no intention of keeping that promise. It's just to get somebody to take an action that you want. That's a manipulative, unrighteous promise. Then there are the selfish promises. Just give me this item and I promise to... I remember when I was a kid and Pong came out. Y'all know what Pong is? 
It was a video game, just so you understand. Right? Y'all doing like, you know, Call of Duty and all this. I was playing Pong. And I thought to myself, when I was a kid, if I had Pong, I will never be bored again. <laughs> I can play Pong for hours. This little dot, this little pixel, and it's not a ball. It's square because, you know, graphics weren't good back then. So you got this little square. Boop, and how they made the square bounce like a ball, I don't know. That was part of the miracle of Pong. And so it's, you know, and then every once in a while, I would get in the Pong loop. You know what I'm talking about? Boop, 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 boop. That was awesome. That was, nir- that was Pong Nirvana. Boop, boop, boop. And then I, every once, okay, I'm going to make a change. Boop, 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 boop. Right? And I said, I need Pong so bad. <laughs> Very good. That's great. So I told my mom, Mom, if you get me Pong, I will. And I think there was a list of things that I would never do again. My mom knew I couldn't keep that promise. She got me Pong, and within two hours, I was bored. And I was back to breaking the promises. That's unrighteous promises for selfish reasons. But then we also use unrighteous promises to get out of consequences, don't we? I promise I will never do that again if you give me one more chance. Guys, have any of you ever been wounded by an unrighteous promise? Have you ever made an unrighteous promise that wounded someone else? I can tell you this about unrighteous promises. They can destroy friendships. They can destroy families. They can destroy lives. Unrighteous promises, I think, are the most dangerous weapon that the enemy uses to destroy our relationships. They are toxic. But there is another type of promise. There is the righteous promise, which is the kind that God makes, right? Promises that made for righteousness are made for sacrificial reasons. I'm making this promise because I want to do something for you. You see the difference between an unrighteous promise and a righteous one? A righteous promise says, this is going to cost me, but I'm going to do it anyway. A righteous promise is made to bring healing to those who are hurting. A righteous promise has the goal of taking people from a place that is bad and moving them to a place that is better. A righteous promise has the idea, I want to take somebody who's wounded and hurting and struggling and give them an opportunity, some space in their life to breathe again. A righteous promise is used to display the grace life, love, and mercy. Can you ever remember being vulnerable emotionally, financially, or physically to a promise? Like, I'm going to trust this promise, and if they don't keep it, it's going to hurt. Anybody can relate to that? I know I can. Can you recall how you felt when that person came through? The joy, the temporary relief, the temporary ecstasy? Guys, nothing is more healing for the human spirit than when a righteous promise is kept. A righteous promise relieves suffering. 
It allows someone to breathe again. A righteous promise brings healing, direction, and new reasons for living. A righteous promise, and I love this part, a righteous promise creates vulnerability within a relationship, does it not? And we've talked about this before. For a relationship to be rich and deep and full and powerful and meaningful, there has to be vulnerability. And one of the places that vulnerability is farmed is when righteous promises are made and kept. Righteous promises open up a new world of hope. And hope is what drives happiness. It's what motivates us. It's what stirs us to be better people. It's what encourages us to do the right thing. Hope is the power of transformation. And when righteous promises are kept because of hope, it produces more hope and becomes a positive feedback loop. I will tell you this. As God's people, our righteous promises, not just to our family and our friends, but yes, our church family and to our community, are God-ordained works for us to keep. Let me give you a Grace Life example of one of our families that has recently made a righteous promise that's going to impact some people. Uh, Chris and Shirley Martini. Chris uh, runs the student ministry for us, and Shirley, his wife, and uh, their beautiful daughter, Devaney. They've decided to become foster parents. And this is, like, really cool stuff. They're making promises to wounded, stranded, hurting kids that could dramatically change their lives. I promise you, when you come into our house, we're going to love you, we're going to provide for you, and unlike other people in your life, we're not going to abuse you. We're not going to abandon you. We're going to show you the grace life. Now, these kids really have no choice but to trust it. But I imagine a lot of them are wounded and are thinking, you know what? This is going to go poorly. And when Chris and Shirley love them, it's going to transform their life. These young people that Chris and Shirley and Devaney are going to impact, they have no idea what's about to hit them. These young kids have no idea that in a very short time, they are going to be the recipient of righteous, selfless, sacrificial healing promises. See how powerful our Grace Life community can be when we become a majority of people making righteous promises to our church family and our community? All for this reason. Why do we do it? Because we want to point them to the ultimate promise keeper. We are willing to make sacrificial, righteous promises that might cost us. Why? Because we have this hope that God will take his children and transform them and redeem them and make them part of our church family. You think, here's, I can imagine what we'll say to people. Maybe not these exact words, but you think my righteous, my righteous promise was healing? Wait till you feel the love of Heavenly Dad's righteous promises on your life. You aren't going to know what hit you. See, this is our secret weapon as a church. You want to know how to do ministry? Look 
for ways to make righteous promises. We at Grace Life are not going to rely on slick marketing. We're not going to rely on traditional programs. We're not going to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into a good stage show. We are going to choose to impact our community through righteous promises. Because every time we end up keeping a righteous promise, we become the image of Jesus. We embody what the rainbow symbolized in Genesis. You see that? Just like the rainbow is a symbol of God's promise, when we make and keep righteous promises, we become a symbol of God's promises. Or maybe today you're here, and for the first time in a while you are feeling that intoxicating allure of hope. Haven't felt it for a long time. And I know that trusting a promise can be frightening. What if I trust it and it fails me again? I get that. That's why trusting righteous promises is a supernatural act. And we know that it can be frightening, especially with the baggage of unrighteous promises that have littered your life experiences. Unrighteous promises are constantly working against the ability to trust the righteous promises of God. Why should I trust this promise? Heck, this, this person I saw couldn't keep a promise. How can a guy I can't see keep his righteous ones? I get that. Especially when the consequences of these unrighteous promises have been so high, so painful... And so expensive and many times very traumatic. Well, to you, I get a little nervous saying this, but I'm, I believe it. To you that are in that situation, I promise you, I'm making a righteous promise that we are going to try to love you like no other church has ever loved you before. With our time, with our talents, with our treasure. Why? Because we want to show you how the ultimate promise keeper, the creator of the rainbow, has filled us with transforming, healing, alluring hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. By the way, confession means testimony through our righteous promises. That's what the word confession means. What we say and what we do through our righteous promise. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So when we are privileged by God's grace to share the grace life with people around us, they are going to learn something. They are going to learn that because of how God has transformed us through his righteous promise of grace and mercy and forgiveness through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, who died and was resurrected, they are going to learn that we are people of righteous promises that heal. And we are a picture of the symbol of God's promise, just like the rainbow. And what happens? As beautiful as a rainbow is, when hurting people in our town see our promise, they're going to say, wow, 
That is beautiful. I've never seen anything like it. I got to be where that is.